Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. Many Christmas songs refer to Bethlehem, the city where Jesus was born. But Bethlehem is not only mentioned in the Gospels. This was also the place where King David grew up, and the prophet Micah predicted that God's appointed ruler would be born there. Today, we will look at this prophecy in the book of Micah and discover that it tells us much more than just where Yeshua would enter the world. In the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy, Leon Engman writes, Micah 5, 2-5a, stands out in the book of Micah like a diamond on a ring. The ring is lovely and well wrought, but designed to direct attention to the diamond. Let's take a closer look and appreciate how beautiful this diamond is. Joining us today is returning guest Rich Freeman, who has a Doctor of Ministry degree and serves as Chosen People Ministries Vice President of Church Ministries and Conferences. Rich, welcome back to Our Hope. Thank you, Nicole. It's good to be with you. Thank you. I think this is your third or fourth episode with us, if I'm correct. Sounds like, sounds right. Yeah, we're very grateful to have you. And uh, we already know, since you've been back so many times, what your favorite food is, what your favorite dessert is. So we're going to ask you a new question today. What is your favorite movie? Well, around Christmas time, uh, believe it or not, my favorite movie is Home Alone. And uh, really, <laughs> I, I just love the Home Alone movies. They're really the first two. And uh, I, I just think they're great. And I'm like a little kid when I watch those movies. So I like Christmas movies. I like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, some of the old yeah. Christmas movies. So uh, and uh, and I'm a softie. So I like to watch all the Hallmark Christmas movies as well. Oh, wow. My mom loves those, too. <laughs> great. And what book of the Bible have you been studying recently? Well, it's interesting because I've been doing this this Bible study series. Uh, I've been studying a lot of the the messianic prophecies and the minor prophets, and so uh, I've been doing a Zoom Bible study on Revelation, and I'm going to be continuing uh, next year. I'm, I'm actually finishing Revelation. I'll be continuing next year through the Book of Zechariah. So I've been just you know following through on uh, some of these prophecies. I think 
you know, they, they just re are really helpful to kind of firm up your faith, so to speak. And when you, you see how uh, Jesus didn't sh only show up in, in the book of Matthew, he, he's throughout uh, the Hebrew scriptures. And uh, that encourages me. So I've been doing a lot of studying in the, the minor prophets, as they're called. That's awesome. And we know that speaking of minor prophets, you did a Bible study series in our newsletter uh, that comes out every month on the book of Micah. And just to let our listeners know, if you'd like to receive our Bible studies every month, you can sign up at chosenpeople.com slash sign up. That will sign you up for our monthly newsletter. Uh, but Rich, can you, since you are our resident expert on Micah, can you tell us who he was, where he lived, and what does his name mean? Because his name is important to the message of the book. Well, the name Micah is a shortened version of the Hebrew word Micaiah, which basically means who is like Yahweh, who is like the Lord, which is an mm -hmm. appropriate name since uh, Micah's purpose was to help people understand what the Lord is, is like. And he, he identifies himself by his hometown, which is uh, Morasheth, uh, near Gath. And uh, it's about 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem, and it was largely an agricultural area. So Micah's not a big city guy. He's a country boy, and uh, <laughs> his prophecies kind of reflect some of his own uh, country values, so to speak. That's awesome. Now, you said he's a country boy. That reminds me of the John Denver, Denver song, <laughs> just saying. Um, but what is the overall theme of the book of Micah? Because we're going to focus today on the prophecy about Bethlehem, but right. where does it fit in that context of the overall message of the book? And why should we still study this book today? Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah. Uh, he, mm -hmm. he wrote during the years surrounding the fall of the northern tribes, who were called Israel at the time, uh, and who uh, were taken into captivity by the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC. And, and basically, the book consists of messages of, of basically of a coming judgment, but at the same time, uh, there's also a mention of restoration and remnant. And I think the lesson of Micah is that God takes sin seriously, and there will be consequences, especially in light of who Israel is supposed to be in the world, which was to be the light to bring people to, uh, to Yahweh, to the God of Israel. Right. Now, before we can really dive into the meaning of today's prophecy, we have to read it out loud. So I'm just going to read through the scriptures for you. This is Micah 5, 2 through 5a. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. Wow. So, pretty well-known prophecy about Bethlehem. But I think we missed a lot of the details because we've heard it so often. So where is Bethlehem and how would you describe this town? Well, you know, keep in mind it's Bethlehem Ephrata, which tells us that it's a specific uh, clan within the tribe of Judah. There were actually two Bethlehems in Israel during this time. 
uh, one wow. in the tribe of Judah and one up north in the tribe of Zebulon. So this is particularly oh, wow. identifying with the tribe of Judah. And Bethlehem was not a big town. It was not significant. It wasn't important. And so uh, Micah is emphasizing the fact that out of this insignificant town came the most significant person in human history, uh, our Messiah Jesus. And so uh, I, I think the insignificant part of it uh, tells us that uh, this, this Messiah is identifying with uh, the family of David, uh, which is where David's family was. And uh, it, it hearkens to, to what, uh, when in 1 Samuel, when David is anointed king, uh, and uh, Samuel asked his father Jesse to bring out all his sons, they don't even include David. He was that insignificant in the family. He was kind of the runt of the litter. And it was only when, when he was anointed king in front of all his brothers uh, by Samuel uh, that uh, that all took place. And so I think there's an identification with the certainly the insignificance of David uh, when he was a, a young boy and the insignificance of the town. They all sort of go together. Uh, I have an interesting story to tell. Can I tell it? Yes, please. Uh, one of my roles within uh, Chosen People Ministries is to lead tours to Israel. And uh, yeah. we don't go into Bethlehem, but we go take our, our uh, tourists to a place uh, called the Shepherd's Field Overlook. So the place where the shepherds heard the announcement from the angels. And uh, it's something that I, I do all the time. And when I do it, very often when the buses pull up, uh, there's a, a Bedouin shepherd with his sheep uh, who kind of comes out of nowhere. And obviously you got 40 American tourists and he has some, some young children. Uh, this particular shepherd had a beautiful little girl with dark hair and dark eyes. And she's holding these little baby sheep and the people just absolutely love her. Uh, and she's a real entrepreneur. So she sticks out her hand and they give her money. And uh, so, and that happens all the time. So I'm kind of bored with all that. I'm letting the people kind of play with the sheep and I'm walking along and it's a very clear day and I'm with the, our, my tour guide and way, way in the distance is uh, these mountains. And I asked the tour guide, which mountains are those? And she said to me, that's, those are the mountains of Moab. And they're like 50 miles away on the other side of, of the Jordan River in, into what's Jordan. And so I said, you mean to tell me that, that Ruth and Naomi walked from there to here in order to get back to Bethlehem? And she kind of nodded her head. And from that, it just, it just really opened the door for me to appreciate how Bethlehem became the city of David because these two women took this very dangerous trip and ended up coming into Bethlehem and, uh, you know, the story of Ruth and she ended up with Boaz uh, and became the the great grandmother of, uh, of David. And so uh, it, it's a beautiful story. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it really points out just how uh, amazing it is to see uh, Bethlehem focused in that way as the city of David. And even the name itself, Beit Lechem in Hebrew means the house of bread. And so Jesus identifies himself as the bread of life. And what better place for the bread of life to be born in than in the house of bread? That's awesome. And I've never even made that connection that Ruth, that's right, Ruth is, you said the great grandmother of David? Yeah. Wow. 
So we know that Bethlehem shows up in 1 Samuel. Does it show up in any other places in Scripture? Well, in the book of Ruth, obviously, uh, where yeah. where uh, Ruth and her husband Elimelech, I'm sorry, Naomi and her husband Elimelech leave Bethlehem and go to Moab, uh, and then Ruth and Naomi come back. And so uh, that whole story takes place in Bethlehem, and uh, obviously 1 mm-hmm. Samuel, uh, when Samuel visits uh Jesse in Bethlehem. So it's a very, very key place. And and the interesting thing about it, uh, I I think, you know, people wonder why did the Messiah have to be born in Bethlehem? Well, number one, to connect with David, but number two, the kings were, the line of the kings was cursed. And they were all, Uh those kings would have been born in Jerusalem. And the Mm -hmm. fact that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem uh, tells us that even though he's from the line of David, he's not part of that cursed line. So it, it all kind of fits very nicely together. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have wondered, you know, why not be born in Jerusalem, which is, you know, where the temple is and right. it's the most important city. Uh, but that's really cool. So in verse two, it says that um, his goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. What does this verse tell us about the Messiah? Well, Mike is writing about uh, the fact that not only would this person, the Messiah, be a be born, but also that he would be eternal. So, in essence, he's saying that he's fu- not only a fully man, but he's also fully God. And uh, mm. it reminds me of the verse in in John. Uh, the Gospel of John, where John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the fact that this one would be from days of eternity tells us uh, that he's fully God and that this the Messiah would not only be a person, but also would be God incarnate, which is clearly what Yeshua, Jesus is. We'll be right back. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. Is it possible for Jewish people to believe in Jesus when there's such a sad history of Christian anti-Semitism that has shaped Jewish attitudes towards the gospel? Well, I know there's hope because I'm Jewish and I believe in Jesus. And I would love to offer a few suggestions for reaching Jewish people personally with the love of God through Messiah. First, keep your message personal. You're representing a person, not a religion. Second, be loving, patient, and kind, even when they object. And then finally, and most importantly, pray. Touching the heart of your Jewish friend with the good news of Messiah will also touch the very heart of God. And you can learn more by visiting Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com slash radio. We hope you're enjoying this episode about Messianic prophecy. To dive even deeper into what the Hebrew scriptures say concerning the Messiah, check out the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. This book features in-depth analysis of virtually every Messianic passage in the Old Testament. The Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy is edited by Dr. Michael Rodelnik. 
and its contributors include dozens of respected Bible scholars. This is the book for anyone who has ever wondered what Jesus said to his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Exclusive for our podcast listeners, get your copy today at ourhopepodcast.com forward slash Moody Book and use the coupon code Moody20 for 20% off. Now, we know in verse 3, Micah wrote that God would give them up until this ruler is born. Who is God giving up and why? Well, a lot of, as, as I shared before, a lot of the book of Micah is dealing with the sin of Israel. And, and Israel was really deep into idolatry and other sins. And when we yeah. talk about idolatry, unfortunately, today we, we think of idolatry more as icons and things like that. But idolatry yeah. was much, much worse. It involved, you know, sexual immorality. It involved child sacrifice. It involved all kinds of terrible sins. Uh, yeah. And they were really steeped in that. And eventually, the northern tribes were taken into captivity first, and then the southern tribes were also taken into captivity. And so, basically, God removed his protection from them until they ultimately would repent and turn uh, to the Messiah, which is uh, uh, the one who would be born. Now, just for further clarity, when people read this prophecy, like when when the Israelites heard this prophecy first spoken from Micah, do you think they made the connection that he was speaking specifically about the Messiah? Uh, yes, and the reason being because when you look at uh, uh, in the New Testament, when the the Magi show up on the scene and want to know where would where would the Messiah be born, all the mm -hmm. when King Herod went to the religious experts, they all pointed to the prophecy in Micah and said, "Well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem," and so. Mm -hmm. Clearly, there was an understanding that this would be the Messiah. Uh, as the Magi asked Herod, where's the one born king of the Jews? Uh, which certainly didn't sit well with Herod. But uh, yeah, the, the, the clearly, uh, I think before it became problematic, there was no question that this was speaking about the Messiah. And then after, clearly, as we see that Jesus has fulfilled all of these prophecies, uh, yeah. then there was a view of it a little differently so that uh, it wouldn't be a specific, uh, specifically pointing to Jesus. Yeah, that's important. I remember in last week's episode, we spoke with Olivier um, about Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned how uh, the interpretation of, of these prophecies, like in the Tanakh specifically, can sometimes be lost or changed over the years and he mentioned how um the people who translated uh the those specific verses in isaiah 9 they didn't even translate um wonderful counselor almighty god everlasting father but they would choose to actually keep it in the hebrew even though it's a translation because right. they said well how can this apply to a man um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that um Back to this prophecy in, in Micah, we didn't read these verses, but Micah 4, 9 through 10 compares Israel to a woman who is in labor. Is there any connection between that prophecy and the woman who bears the child in Micah 5, 3? Well, I think it's dealing with the pain of judgment. And again, Micah mm -hmm. is a book that deals a lot with judgment, particularly the judgment of being removed out of the promised land. And if, if you think about what happened uh, to the northern tribes going into Assyria, to the 
to the nation of Judah going into uh, Babylon in Babylonian captivity, that was for a generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you see what happened after Messiah came the first time when uh, Israel as a nation rejected him, you know, the, the individual people in Israel, many of whom, uh, you know, a good portion uh, came to believe that he was the Messiah, but the nation itself, the religious power brokers rejected him. And instead of being out of the promised land for a generation, they were out of the promised land for almost 2000 years. So, you know, the judgment was, was prevalent there. Uh, and it was talking about that, the pain of judgment, and the, the pain of dealing with the, the sin of the people. And so I, yeah. I think that that's kind of the theme of Micah, uh, you know, the consequences of, of sin and uh, how God takes sin seriously. Yeah. That's why I think this prophecy really stands out in the context of the whole book, because like I said, there's a lot of judgment being pronounced. Israel's facing the consequences of their sins, but in the midst of all that, the Messiah is prophesied and he's going to be born and he's going to change things. Um, So what does this prophecy in Micah tell us about the kind of ruler the Messiah would be? I think, you know, clearly he's going to be the kind of ruler uh, with a tender heart. And what, you know, it's going to be, he's going to shepherd his people. And I just finished a book on uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, Dayenu, which means the Lord is my shepherd and and that's enough. Uh, And so the fact that he's going to shepherd his people talks about the the tender hearted person uh, who, cares for his sheep in such a deep way and that's kind of the way he's going to view the people of Israel. So it's it's really not only talking about his his original first coming but also his return when he's going to reign as king of kings and and lord of lords and it's going to be to shepherd his people Israel. Uh, and mm-hmm. I love that last phrase in in the beginning of verse 5 where it says and this one will be our peace. Uh, literally the Hebrew says this one will be shalom. This one will be mm. our completion. This one will be peace for us. And, and that was obviously the announcement of the angels to the shepherds in the yeah. field that born this day in the city of David in Bethlehem is a savior who is the Messiah, who is God incarnate, who is the Lord. Mm. Yeah, and I love what you said about how he is the shepherd. He's drawing people back to himself and he's leading them and he's protecting them. And as a shepherd, he's going to try to lead people in the right direction. So what does this verse three mean that his brethren will return to the sons of Israel? Well, I, I think, you know, there's really, from my perspective, the the point of coming out of captivity and back into the land is, is part of that. But mm-hmm. I think clearly when you view his return, uh, the, the people of Israel, the, the Jewish people around the world, part of what we commonly call the diaspora, are yeah. going to be gathered together to be with him when he returns uh, and fulfilling the, the prophecy uh, in the book of Romans where Paul says that all Israel will be saved. They're going to go into that kingdom as his people. And uh, mm. it's really not only pointing to his first coming, but also to his second coming. And he's going to bring peace. 
Well, that, that segues perfectly. So would you say that this prophecy, we know part of it has definitely been fulfilled because Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. But would you say then that there are parts that will be fulfilled in the future? I think clearly the, the, the part of his reigning as king is speaking about his second coming and, uh, yeah. and the kind of king he's going to be, how he's going to shepherd his people Israel. Because as much as he wanted to do it at his first coming, when he said, how I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chip, chicks under her wing, he wasn't able to do that. And uh, yeah. and so he came to be our, our sacrifice, to be the final atonement for us. But ultimately, he's going to come again. And it points to that. And his reign as king in what we commonly call the millennial kingdom, where he's going to reign on the throne of David for a thousand years. Yeah. I've often wondered, why didn't he just accomplish everything when he first arrived? Why did he have to come twice, you know, and and like wait all this time to come back the second time? Um, does it have to do with the Gentiles or does it have to do with Israel? Like, I'm curious. Well, you know, I think he came the first time. He offered himself up as the Messiah. He, he rode on that baby donkey into Jerusalem on what we commonly call Palm Sunday. Uh, yeah. And the, the question that begs to be asked is, if Israel would have embraced him as their king, what would that have meant? Would he have established his yeah. kingdom on earth? And I think it's one of those God things that, uh, you know, the answer is yes, but it didn't happen that way. So God yeah. obviously knew it wouldn't happen that way. Jesus came to be our sacrifice, our atonement for sin. And so he died on the cross. Uh, he paid the penalty for our sins. He rose from the dead. He conquered death for us. And anyone who embraces that, who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, has to acknowledge that he is indeed the promised one, the Messiah who came to be, uh, you know, our sacrifice. And so uh, the thing, uh, one of my favorite Christmas cards came, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and it, I get mm. this Christmas card every once in a while from them. It's basically blank with just a spike inside the card. Really? Yeah, which basically wow. tells us that the one born in the manger and uh, came to die for our sins. And, you know, if, wow. if, we miss, if we miss that, as beautiful as the Christmas story is, as great as the all the Christmas songs are in the Christmas movies. If we miss that, we miss the reason for the season. Uh, Jesus mm -hmm. came to be our Savior. And uh, that's what makes this such an amazing time of the year, that we remember that. Whether or not he was born on December 25th, nobody knows for sure. But yeah. uh, we can celebrate his birth with confidence because he was born. He did come. He lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead, and he's coming again. All those are biblical truths that we can embrace and enjoy. Mm. Thank you for explaining that, Rich. That's a powerful image, just the spike in the card. Yeah. Um, so, Rich, as we close, I just have one question left for you. How has this prophecy impacted you on a personal level? Well, you know, coming from a Jewish background, Growing up in New York City and in Brooklyn, uh, mm. I had lots of lots of non-Jewish friends, most of whom were were Italian Catholic, and so I, I grew up kind of believing that Jesus was the God of the Italians, because everybody I knew who believed in Jesus was Italian. So mm. I sort of 
thought that he was, you know, Italian. Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph and Mary Christ from Rome, Italy. Uh, and, you know, when, uh, when I began uh, kind of being open to the scriptures and people telling me that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and uh, it, it was hard for me to, to make that connection. And then when I started reading the Bible, uh, you know, I was just amazed at just how Jewish the New Testament was. Yeah. And seeing this story of, of his birth, uh, you know, especially in Matthew and Luke, uh, so beautifully portrayed and how important it is to the whole picture of our faith uh, really impacted me a lot. But uh, I would say as a Jewish believer, the idea that, that this is all prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures, like in Micah chapter 5, was very important to me. Again, because I wanted to hear it from my Bible, so to speak, from the Hebrew from the Hebrew scriptures, and uh, to see these prophecies unfold and be fulfilled by just one person is just an amazing thing. And it really, it really helped me come to grips with the fact that he really was who people who told me that uh, they were Christians and this is the truth. Uh, he really was who they said they were. He was, and uh, ultimately, it's how I came to faith through the the truth of of the scriptures. Thank you, Rich. And I, I love what you said. You wanted to read about it in your Bible, and that's why we're doing this whole season on messianic prophecy to let Jewish people know that Jesus is in their Bible. That it was prophesied that he was going to come and that he was going to dwell among us and that he was going to die for sin and that he was going to rise again and he's coming back. Amen. So thank you so much. Thank you for lending your expertise twice to this season. This is your second episode this season. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to reading your Psalm 23 book, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. We often hear Micah 5 quoted during this time of year, especially in songs like A Little Town of Bethlehem. Many people, believers or not, know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And now you can share why this is important. Though Bethlehem was not a large or impressive city, it was the home of King David, who was an ancestor of Yeshua. God purposefully chose Bethlehem to be the town where his salvation would enter the world. Next week, many of us will celebrate Yeshua's birth, which fulfilled part of Micah's prophecy. At the same time, we look forward to Yeshua's return, when he will establish his kingdom. We will close with what verse 5 says about him. This one will be our peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope, featuring Rich Freeman. Please subscribe to us and share this podcast with your friends. This episode was written by Rachel Larson and edited and co-produced by Grace Swee. This episode was also created thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Kyron Bautista, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, and Abe Vazquez. I'm Nicole Vaca. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. 
You can also support our podcast by giving today at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. See you next time.